Chapter 2, Part 3 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof, translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. Aka from Kebnekase, Goose Play. Monday, March 21st. Everything remained unchanged in the forest about as long as it takes a goose to eat her breakfast. But just as the morning was verging on forenoon, a goose came flying all by herself under the thick tree canopy. She groped her way hesitatingly between the stems and branches and flew very slowly. As soon as Smiray Fox saw her, he left his place under the beech tree and sneaked up toward her. The wild goose didn't avoid the fox, but flew very close to him. Smiray made a high jump for her, but he missed her, and the goose went on her way down to the lake. It was not long before another goose came flying. She took the same route as the first one, and flew still lower and slower. She, too, flew close to Smiray Fox, and he made such a high spring for her that his ears brushed her feet but she too got away from him unhurt and went her way toward the lake silent as a shadow. A little while passed, and then there came another wild goose. She flew still slower and lower, and it seemed even more difficult for her to find her way between the breech branches. Smiray made a powerful spring. He was within a hair's breadth of catching her, but that goose also managed to save herself. Just after she disappeared came a fourth. She flew so slowly and so badly that Smiray Fox thought he could catch her without much effort, but he was afraid of failure now and concluded to let her fly past unmolested. She took the same direction the others had taken, and just as she was come right above Smiray, she sank down so far that he was tempted to jump for her. He jumped so high that he touched her with his tail but she flung herself quickly to one side and saved her life. Before Smiray got through panting, three more geese came flying in a row. They flew just like the rest, and Smiray made high springs for them all, but he did not succeed in catching any one of them. After that came five geese, but these flew better than the others, and although it seemed as if they wanted to lure Smiray to jump, he withstood the temptation. After quite a long time came one single goose. It was the thirteenth. This one was so old that she was gray all over, without a dark speck anywhere on her body. She didn't appear to use one wing very well, but flew so wretchedly and crookedly that she almost touched the ground. Smiray not only made a high leap for her, but he pursued her, running and jumping all the way down to the lake but not even this time did he get anything for his trouble. When the fourteenth goose came along, it looked very pretty because it was white, and as its great wings swayed, it glistened like a light in the dark forest. When Smiray Fox saw this one, he mustered all his resources and jumped halfway up to the tree canopy, but the white one flew by unhurt like the rest. Now it was quiet for a moment under the beeches, it looked as if the whole wild goose flock had traveled past, 
Suddenly Smyre remembered his prisoner and raised his eyes toward the young beech tree, and just as he might have expected, the boy had disappeared. But Smyre didn't have much time to think about him, for now the first goose came back again from the lake and flew slowly under the canopy. In spite of all his ill luck, Smyre was glad that she came back and darted after her with a high leap. But he had been in too much of a hurry and hadn't taken the time to calculate the distance and he landed at one side of the goose then there came still another goose then a third a fourth a fifth and so on until the angle closed in with the old ice gray one and the big white one they all flew low and slow just as they swayed in the vicinity of smire fox they sank down kind of inviting-like, for him to take them. Smyre ran after them and made leaps a couple of fathoms high, but he couldn't manage to get hold of a single one of them. It was the most awful day that Smyre Fox had ever experienced. The wild geese kept on traveling over his head. They came and went, came and went. Great splendid geese who had eaten themselves fat on the German heaths and grain fields swayed all day through the woods, and so close to him that he touched them many times, yet he was not permitted to appease his hunger with a single one of them. The winter was hardly gone yet, and Smyre recalled nights and days when he had been forced to tramp around in idleness, with not so much as a hare to hunt, when the rats hid themselves under the frozen earth, and when the chickens were all shut up but all the winter's hunger had not been as hard to endure as this day's miscalculations. Smyre was no young fox. He had had the dogs after him many a time, and had heard the bullets whiz around his ears. He had lain in hiding down in the lair, while the dachshunds crept into the crevices and all but found him. But all the anguish that Smyre Fox had been forced to suffer under this hot chase was not to be compared with what he suffered every time that he missed one of the wild geese. In the morning, when the play began, Smyre Fox had looked so stunning that the geese were amazed when they saw him. Smyre loved display. His coat was a brilliant red, his breast white, his nose black, and his tail was as bushy as a plume. But when the evening of this day was come, Smyre's coat hung in loose folds, he was bathed in sweat, his eyes were without luster, his tongue hung far out from his gaping jaws, and froth oozed from his mouth. In the afternoon Smyre was so exhausted that he grew delirious. He saw nothing before his eyes but flying geese. He made leaps for sunspots which he saw on the ground, and for a poor little butterfly that had come out of his chrysalis too soon. The wild geese flew and flew unceasingly. All day long they continued to torment Smyre. They were not moved to pity because Smyre was done up, fevered, and out of his head. They continued without a let-up, although they understood that he hardly saw them and that he jumped after their shadows. When Smyre Fox sank down on a pile of dry leaves, weak and powerless and almost ready to give up the ghost, they stopped teasing him. Now you know, Mr. Fox, what happens to one who dares to come near Akka of Kebnekes, they shouted in his ear, and with that 
they left him in peace. End of chapter 2, part 3. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia.